That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Jake, do you remember in 90s sort of hip-hop slang, the use of the word proper? I do. I thought it was very mid. <laughs> I see you're bringing 2023 slang. Yeah, proper is like a thing you'd say. Like, yeah. And I think I'm, about that every time in the Episcopal Church when it's like, here we are, proper 16. But I don't think the Episcopal Church was thinking about that's that. That's not what they, they were thinking at all, man. That's not what it was. That's, well, that's, a, that's also a very mid comment. So, <laughs> yep, well, very, you know, it's not the very same Gucci, old song. Not very Gucci, Gucci of you, Aaron. I know. See, we both have young, young people in our household, so we know we're cool. We're with it. The Episcopal Church welcomes you. That's right. Uh, yeah, the church of what's happening now. So we're 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 you're back from vacation. I need I another am. one. I do but, too. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> we'll 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 put together. We'll see what we can do here for this. Uh, this these are the readings for Sunday, August twenty seventh, the thirteenth Sunday after Pentecost. Deep into summer. Here I live under the Texas heat dome. Today it's a cool ninety nine degrees, but tomorrow back up to 108 or something like that wow um yeah i know it's brutal you were in arizona for a little while so you know what this feels bro like. you have no idea that was like 119 i don't even know how i don't if we continue i mean i'm not getting into it but if we continue on the current trajectory i just don't know how people will be able to live there i like run from <laughs> we have a our church it's campus like, is on a block and i have to sometimes walk from one of the buildings into the church building across the parking lot and i, I like i sort of I walk very fast, almost like a walk run, because I just want to get out of the sun and back mm-hmm. in the AC. It's like uh, it's like Matt Damon in The Martian, mm. you know, go through the airlock. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's brutal. I mean, here it's it's um, it is uh, so muggy in New York City that I mean, it, how muggy is it? It's uh, so, so muggy. muggy. <laughs> it's so muggy that fish are literally swimming in the air. Yeah. So you can hit the air and it rains, and so. That is, I mean, New York City is becoming uh, tropical, but um, yeah. nonetheless, uh, well, I think I, you know I'll what take it over hot, the Jay? hot days of Texas. You What's our readings? Not. The gospel. Our, re- our readings today? Yeah. Exactly. So let's, let's our readings move. today are from Isaiah 51, verses 1 through 6, those of you preaching. And then we have Romans 12. Oh my gosh, this is a good one. Big transition chapter in Paul's epistle. And then we have uh, Matthew 16, uh, uh, 13 to 20. Yeah, so we begin here with this passage in Isaiah. We're doing mm-hmm. track two, as we have through the summer. And uh, this this poem of God, um, or written in poetic form from the prophet Isaiah, God mm-hmm. speaking, um, or the Isaiah speaking kind of the words of God. And he's saying to, to those um, who are in a difficult situation, he reminds them of their history. And in the beautiful language, he says, look to the rock from which you were hewn, 
you know, that phrase, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree or chip off the old block. It's sort of look back at the tree, look back at the rock, look where you came from. And um, if you're if you think you're in desperate, difficult situations now, look at Abraham and look at Sarah. Um, Abraham was one uh, sort of shady old man. And now he's uh, he's blessed and he's got thousands of descendants. Um, you know, Sarah obviously was barren and she had uh, a child. And so it moves into this other kind of metaphorical language about Zion and Israel. Um, uh, Isaiah says that the Lord will make her wilderness, wilderness like Eden. And this is um, a description of how God acts and what God does, that he takes um, lost causes, desperate situations, and failures and tragedies and he, on his own, will work and um, bring redemption, salvation. Um, it ends with this kind of very beautiful passage about almost looking to an eschatological, meaning end times kind of thing, like the heavens will vanish like smoke, earth will wear like garment, um, but my salvation will be forever. So ultimately, all things will, will turn out beautifully uh right and redeemed. So a lot of things you could do. You could definitely talk about the wilderness in people's lives and the, the desert. Gosh, like it's my herb garden in my backyard. We're on water restrictions. I can't water it like ever. And it's like, I've got one sage leaf left hanging on for dear life. And so, um, so the wilderness, the desert, um, God will do the work. What would you say about this passage, Jacobus? No, I think, uh, I think I would say uh, a lot of the same things you have said, you know, uh, one of the key words in this particular passage is a listen. It opens with listen, and the second paragraph begins with listen as well. And uh, this is because um, the God that we serve is not the God that you see, but rather he's the God that speaks. And uh, he is speaking to these people and reminding them of uh, the promise and the promise that he has given them. And uh, this promise comes to them in... Um, covenantal form. It comes in the form of a covenant that was made with their forefather Abraham and uh, Isaac and Jacob. And, uh, and that, that promise, that covenant was, is that they would be a nation and uh, um, a blessed nation, a nation that would be a blessing to the other nations. And you know, and this is really important in the desolate areas and the wastelands of your life. Uh, oftentimes, is uh, the world will tell people, "Hey, why don't you just move on? You know, get over it." Um, are you kidding? <laughs> you know, I can't mm-hmm. get over it. It's 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 too hard. And uh, but but that's the promise of the world. Hey, just get over it. Move on. Never mind the huge scar that it's left. But uh, Christianity, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, He says, "Don't you don't move forward by just moving on." You move forward by looking backwards. And so this is what he's doing there. He's telling them to look back. Uh, Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who you bore. Their lives were totally desolate, too. And I made it fruitful. You people are all their descendants, you know. And uh, the wilderness, uh, just, hey, I made Eden out of absolutely nothing. Mm. And, uh, And this is... So when you're preaching this, you know, you, you talk about those things, but then you talk about, I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out and my arm will rule the peoples. Uh, you know, lift up your eyes to the heaven and look to the earth beneath. 
The point is, is that as Christians, we look backwards too. We look to where God fulfilled the promise to Abraham in, uh, in uh, his descendant Jesus, and uh, in whom um, uh, has become uh, a desolate place, a wasteland, in order that you and I might bear fruit and fruit that lasts. And that, looking back to the cross, reminds us that uh, hope and joy and peace, while I may not see it, when it's heard in this word called the gospel is never far away. That's right. And I, I think uh, it is such a good word to tell people to look back, look where you came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people, when they want to be inspired, it's like, look to the, look, look to this example of a person who has been so successful. Like, look at, look at these good exemplars of living right. It's so many, you know, if you follow Twitter at all, for some reason, a lot of things it shows up in my feed are like, Look at these great, you want to be rich and successful and healthy. Like, look at these people, <laughs> look at these tech bros, look at these entrepreneurs, look at the secrets of how they've unlocked, you know, all this uh, success in their life and just do these things. And, and that's not what God says here. God says, look back, look yeah, back at Abraham. Right. And um, you, you weren't, the quarry from which this rock was hewn was not some special quarry of Carrera marble in the hills of Italy. This was like... Nope you know, some junky old... The dirt clod. Yeah, basically. And so it's like, look back at that. And I, I think, you, you know, people often look back at their heritage and say, oh, I, my ancestors came over in the Mayflower. It's like, you brag about that now, but really, you know what that means? It means you were nothing. You were nothing mm-hmm. back in England. And so this is sort of what it's saying. Like, look back and realize that you are nothing. And so if you feel a little lost right now, a little dejected, um, uh, know that... Uh, you know that's how God. That's what yeah. that's your, your God's cup of tea. Like He works with you, and I think this this so clearly emphasizes this. You know, as we talk about monergistic, meaning one way action of God, as opposed to the partnership with God. Just a meeting today talking about Christian revival, the the phenomenon of revival, and a lot of people in the room were saying how much they hope to see revival break out again. And if we would just pray, if we would do our part, mm-hmm. if we'd turn, then God will do uh. thus and so. And it's it's it sounds pious, and I get. I mean, I they're they're good-hearted and wonderful-intentioned yeah. people, and I, and so I I don't want to shame or or pit that down, but just hear that the implication is God is up there like hanging out, wishes he could help, just totally wishes he could do something. But the problem is you're not praying enough, and yeah, if that's you right. if you knock on God's door like a you know I don't know like a SWAT team or something, then, then God will get up from the recliner and come help. Um, he'll put down the remote and answer the door. And that's not what this says. This is God saying, I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. I yeah, will do it. I'm the one that does it. In the midst of your wasteland, he's faithful. And uh, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. The same things are coming across my Instagram feed all the time, you know, how to really get it together. And there was one funny one. Uh, it, they were making fun of that stuff, but it was like, wake up at 4 a.m. Yeah. You know what I mean? Take a take a plunge at negative nine degrees. Yeah. Then get dressed, do 100 push-ups, stare at your feet for 45 minutes. It's now yeah. 5 a.m. Yeah. You know, and you're like, gosh, Lee. I mean, and the truth is, is that all of those things... Um, where the emphasis is put on us, um, and especially if you're in, if your parishioners are in a wasteland, 
uh, the last thing they need to hear is more things they need to do to get out of it because they've been trying. And uh, the truth is, is that this particular section of Isaiah is written at the towards the end of their captivity. And they have probably been trying about everything and they're at the end of their rope. They're like, as he says, uh, uh, the, um, uh, they're going to die. They feel like they're about to die like a gnat. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you look backwards to the cross of Jesus, uh, you know that God has been faithful to Abraham. Uh, you know that God has been faithful to all of his covenants and his salvation will be forever and his deliverance indeed will never be ended. Well, Jake, that's beautiful. Let's, uh, we, we all know that you're probably not going to preach on the Old Testament, folks. Am I right? Maybe, so, I'm, I'm going to. Maybe. I know. It's good no, stuff. I was actually thinking, <laughs> maybe I should take like every sermon for the next year and just do the Old Testament readings. Just see what happens. Um, but, uh, That'd be good. I know. That would be good. Maybe okay. for Advent you should do that. Anyway, but um, we go back to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Now, this is a good text. And it's also where some good Anglican liturgy comes from. This whole, oh, like, present yeah. your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, or mm. reasonable, as the prayer book says. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it is this whole, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And if you haven't seen the video of, I think it's like a family singing and dancing and rapping act. It's some sort of Christian family group. It's like a mom and the son and the daughter. The renewed life is the key. Just type in the renewed life is the key, and you will see some really smooth moonwalking and Christian rapping. Oh, yes. That's the like world's, the early days of Nandanam. The world's whitest, world's whitest people. Um, yeah. Wherever you are, God bless you. So, uh, But yeah, the renewed life. You will be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will discern what the will of God is, the good, perfect, good, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I don't know about you, Jake, but I've definitely heard this passage taught as a way to figure out what job you should take, who you should date, what you should major in in college. Like, what is the will of God? How do yeah. I find out what is the will of God? Okay, step one, don't be conformed to this world. How do you do that? You burn all your CDs, you cut off your friendships with bad people, whatever it is. Um, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And people will then say, you got to think deep thoughts and, and pray mm. a lot and read the scriptures. Um, and then you will be able to know what is God's will. And I would say, like, reading the scriptures and praying is good and getting toxic people out of your life. Those are good things. But don't treat this as like a, a sort of, like, you know, a Twitter list of hacks to get the life that you want. Um, the, um, the do not be conformed to this world, that can be a tricky thing. There can be some very spiritual, religious, even Christian places that have very worldly kinds of values. Um, it's not as simple and, and black and white as people sort of make this out to be. And I think, um, and Jake, tell me what you think of this, but I think a lot of times people think that, that I myself can renew my mind through sheer willpower and effort. And I think mm -hmm. this is I think this is actually saying, be yeah, transformed. It's actually talk, it's Don't actually transform the, yourself, but be transformed. Receive the mm -hmm. action of God as opposed to you doing it through your mm -hmm. grit and, yeah. you know, all that. I, I agree with you. And I think that, so there's a key word in this particular section. I mean, I've said it before. And, uh, and uh, it, in a lot of transliterations, it's, it's the opening word of Romans 12, but it's the therefore. I appeal to you, therefore. And whenever you see a therefore in Paul's epistles, you want to know what it's there for. <laughs> and, 
And the point is, is to thrust you back to all of the doctrine and teaching that he's just told you earlier. And uh, what has he talked to you about earlier? Well, he's talked to you about something very, very significant. And that significant thing that he's talked to you about is the atoning sacrifice of Jesus and what that means for you. Now, there's a very powerful distinction between an atoning sacrifice and what Paul says now you're to become, and that is a living sacrifice. An atoning sacrifice is something that, um, uh, well, it, it satisfies sin once and for all. Um, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. But the living sacrifice, well, that's, a, that's something that I'm doing in my daily life, recognizing my total need for Jesus and uh, being present by the power of the Holy Spirit for the sake of my neighbor. And uh, this is holy and acceptable to God. I'm no longer earning something, but I'm being used by God in order to serve my neighbor. And that in, essentially is spiritual worship. Now, how does that work? Don't be conformed to the world. You know, don't go, don't drink or dance or chew or go with girls who do. That's Don't not watch the Disney case. movies. Uh, the do not be conformed to this world, uh, but is essentially, as we've been talking about, the reckoning that there's nothing I do to earn my salvation. There's nothing I do to make God more pleased with me. And But I'm wired that way because the law, as he talked about earlier, is written upon my heart. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, my mind needs to be renewed all the time to discern what is the will of God. And what is the will of God? That you believe in the one whom he sent. And right. that is good, acceptable, and perfect because Jesus is the one who is good, acceptable, and perfect. And in him, therefore, I become that. So now I'm just free to serve. Yeah. And this is what happens. And, and this is why the second part of this paragraph is so important. He's like, you know, and by grace given to me, I say everyone, because I'm not saying it from a haughty position. I'm saying it from a place too as a living sacrifice. Don't think of yourself more than you ought, you know, but uh, hey, man, recognize who you are. And that is a humble servant. Um, of the Most High God who um, has been saved by Jesus and Him alone. Right. This thing of do not be conformed to the world, what it's saying is, it's not saying don't be worldly. It's saying don't be conformed to the view that the world has, which is that your value is based on your performance, mm -hmm. but instead be transformed by the renewing your minds to the gospel, that you're valued and loved, and therefore that's you act from that place. So, it's not about, yeah, this isn't about, do I, do, do I take the, do I go join the Peace Corps or take the internship at mm -hmm. Google? It's, um, do I, I go to seminary now or do I, you know, uh, go to grad school? It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's deeper than that. That's sort of, again, that turns God into a magic eight ball or something. Um, yeah, this is but, much bigger and deeper. And being conformed, like conformed is really, you know, it is. It is uh, being uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind is totally resting in the risen work of God. He goes on to say, you know, uh, he talks about here, um, uh, not all members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we're members of one another. You know, he says we all have gifts and they're different. You know, uh, and I see all the time these places that uh, are really emphasizing all the time diversity, diversity, diversity with Zilcho Gospel, and everybody looks exactly the same. And um, you know, uh, and here's the powerful thing about the gospel is that it actually creates the diversity that we are all longing for and desiring because everybody needs their mind renewed. Everybody needs the gospel. Uh, black, white, uh, you know, uh, Asian, uh, you know, Latino, whoever you are, we all need the gospel. 
And uh, really, when we are resting in Jesus and but by the grace of God go I, we can recognize the different gifts in each other and celebrate those different gifts in each other and begin to function as a body for the sake of the gospel going out so that others might hear it and have their mind renewed as well. You know, I mean, um, you uh, definitely have the gift of uh, diligence and you're compassionate and you're definitely, your cheerfulness always makes me laugh, Aaron. And, you know, mm. I have different gifts as well. I really, um, you know, um, you know. Uh, Name one. Whatever they, I can't. Yeah, I can't. So, but uh, um, <laughs> I'm an exhorter. And so, <laughs> so but uh, my point is, is that, you know, we're actually free to recognize who we each are and celebrate that diversity and how it's used for the sake of others to the renew their mind as well. Jake, you're a good networker. I'll say, just want to hype Thank you up. You, man. you like connect that. people really well. Uh, and you've uh, been a faithful minister at Calvary St. George's for the past 35 years. And it's impressive. You, <laughs> you've held out and you still look as, as good as the day you started. That's right, man. So, still young. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Jacob Smith, like he's only worked at one place since he graduated from seminary. He came in as like the custodian at Calvary St. George's, basically the curate there. It's been there forever. You mm. Highs, lows, ins and outs, ups and downs. You've been there, man. So well done. Uh, okay. So now on to the gospel reading, Matthew chapter 16, continuing as we are through the gospel of Matthew in this liturgical year. Um, and we get to this reading where the place kind of matters. So it specifically tells you, it doesn't say he went to some other region. It says he went to Caesarea Philippi. Now there were two Caesareas. Just like there's Paris, France, and Paris, Texas. But you've got the obviously named for the emperor, Caesar. And Caesarea Philippi was built um, by it's as a, an opposition to Caesarea Maritima, which was where King Herod had his palace on the coast, sort of a beach resort kind of place, uh, where Paul would later be imprisoned. But Caesarea Philippi was built by Philip, one of the heirs of... Um, of uh, Herod um, in, in, and he sort of named it after himself. Um, and uh, it's a town that was very Gentile. And the reason it matters is because there's an oracle there. There was sort of this place you would go to hear from these pagan deities. There was a temple to Zeus and various other, again, pagan yeah. gods. And so what many uh, scholars in the New Testament think is that when Jesus was in this Gentile district, he was maybe even standing near that, uh, that shrine where you would hear from these pagan deities, yeah, uh, where I've you wouldn't find out what it like. You would test the will. I've been there too. Don't it's brag. Uh, and um, their uh, their main god was Pan, yeah, which was the god of, the, of everything. Of the flutes of the Pan yeah. pipes, but yes. uh, but he was the god of like basically everything. Half goat, and so, half dude. Mm, I know, seriously, and, and so and um, all god. No, oh, yeah, I think he was Bathamat's father. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway, do you know Bathamat? That's the one that the Satanists are trying about. to put put in front of all the uh, courthouses. But right, anyway, right, um, right. Um, but he was the god of everything. And so that's just, and you go there and there's all these little deities all over the place. And Jesus asks this very, very profound question. The most yeah. important question you can ever be asked. Who do people say, who do, uh, well, that's the second most. And then it goes down, but who do you say that I am? But go ahead, right. I jumped the gun. Take no, it away, no, I mean, yeah. So Jesus uses this title for himself. And if you're preaching in a 
place where you don't have a lot of people that grew up in the church, they might not know the Son of Man is a title that Jesus used to describe himself, drawing on some Old Testament imagery. From Basically, Daniel. The, the, yeah, the this human messenger de- of God. And this is declared, no, no, this is de- his declaration of his divinity. When yes. people say, oh, Jesus never said he was God. Yes, he, when every time he declares that he's the Son of Man, uh, he is declaring that he is actually uh, the divine person whom the prophet Daniel saw descending right. upon the clouds. And so who do people – so he's standing there in front of all these different deities, these sculptures and these shrines and all that. And he says, you know, who do people say that, that the Son of Man is? And then they tell him, well, these different options, John the Baptist, you know, come back from the dead, maybe Elijah, maybe another prophet like Jeremiah – and then Jesus kind of sticks it to him, but, you know, who do you say that I am? And it's so interesting to me, this this does get to the fact that, like, when Jesus came, it wasn't obvious. It was not, he didn't kind of enter town in a stretch limo with a bunch of uh, really good PR people that announced he was coming, like, um, you know, ahead of time. There were no trailers, or, well, there were, but people weren't really understanding them correctly. Um, and so there was just a lot of question. Who is this person? Clearly a religious person, clearly a wonder worker, et cetera. But who is he? Um, and uh, and Peter is the one who steps up and says, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And this is, you can understand why he might be worried to say it, because there have been other people that have been, uh, that have claimed to be Messiahs beforehand. They tend to lead military uprisings against Rome and get killed, and all their followers do too. And so when Peter says this, he is right, but he, um, if you read later in the passage, he still doesn't quite get it. Um, but he's, but he is correct that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. He's not correct yet about what that means, as we'll find out later. But, yeah. um, but Jesus here says this um, wonderful thing that you have um, figured this out not because you're super smart and an A student. Um, it's because God has revealed this to you, and this is true um, of how we ever in our lives get spiritual truth is by God's showing it to us. Um, and uh, uh, I, I think there's, which should give humans a great deal of humility when we talk about God. But um, in terms of how you want to preach this to your congregation, I think it is, it is sort of a cliche, but I think a good one to sort of ask the congregation, you know, who do you say Jesus is? And these other options, John the Baptist, uh, sort of a, uh, and Elijah and Jeremiah are the prophets. These are all sort of people cut from the same cloth, which is to say they were all men sent by God to tell people how to get their act together um, and follow mm-hmm. God's law. And, yeah. Je- and that's what people think Jesus still is today. So I would say, what does it mean for him to be the Messiah, the anointed one? That's what that word means. It means um, the one who is going to tell people that their sins are forgiven. Not telling people, get your act together, but instead your sins are forgiven. And this is something that really takes spiritual insight to see. Mm. So that's what I, think, I would say to the congregation if I were preaching yeah, this passage. I would, do, I would say uh, the, the, the very same thing. Um, you notice what Peter doesn't say, um, that a lot of Americans would say today, and that is, I, you know, I basically feel like you're the Messiah. Like, for me, you're the mm-hmm. Messiah. You know, for, no, 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 no. This is one of the reasons why I uh, loathe the right to burial service, because it says, <laughs> I am resurrection and life. Uh, no, no, he is the resurrection and the life. And, uh, and Peter declares, you are the Messiah, not just for Peter, and not just for the 12 that are hanging out with him. And nor is he uh, just, you know, but he is the Messiah. You are the, the Messiah, the son of the living God. 
And uh, that is very important. And that is why he is declared, blessed are you, Simon, son of... Because this doesn't come about naturally. This is a divine confession that comes about because no one can say uh, Jesus is Lord, as St. Paul says, unless the Holy Spirit prompts them. Mm. But here's the key thing, too, is that, I mean, um, and this is just kind of, maybe you don't want to preach about this, but just thinking about your own church and whatnot. Uh, there's a very uh, an important statement that comes next that's oftentimes misunderstood. Um, in fact, a whole branch of the Catholic faith has uh, misunderstood this, but I will tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Um, the, the point there is that it is not being built upon Peter himself, but upon his confession mm -hmm. that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That is the uh, rock upon which the church is built, because that is the power of God unto salvation. And that is the power of God, that message, not a person, because as we'll see, Peter's a total disaster. Um, mm -hmm. But upon the message that actually has the power to reconcile Peter back to Jesus, has the power to reconcile you and I, and uh, that message that fulfills all of the promises to Abraham, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And, uh, and then when you're thinking about this in a pastoral sense, you know, he says, I give you the kingdom of heaven, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What is that? Well, this is the words, these are the two words that you have in your sermon that need to be properly distinguished. Law, which binds people, and then gospel, which looses and forgives people. And these two keys are the keys that the preacher has in order to... Uh, um, afflict the comforted, and then uh, comfort the afflicted. And uh, um, that's really what's going on uh, in this passage. And it is uh, when those two words are properly distinguished, when those keys are utilized rightly, uh, well, God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, will build a church, a community of people that the gates of hell uh, will never, um, never stand against. And that's because people are actually living um, as living sacrifices for the sake of the world. Um, yeah. And I, I gotta say too, I mean, yeah, this, there's so much in this passage that you could preach on. I do love how Jesus is gentle in his approach. Um, yeah. how he says, you know, who do, who do what are people saying? Tell me, hmm. what are y'all hearing out there? Uh, he doesn't just come out and say, <laughs> I am the Messiah, um, by the power of gray skull. Like he's, he's kind of low key about it and he invites them. And I just, again, he's just such a master teacher. I love how he asks them a question, but who do you say that I am? Um, he invites them. Which, um, mm. it's just, again, God is so humble in Christ. Um, his willingness to be born as a child and put in a manger, um, but that humility kind of continues throughout his life. And here yes. you see it as well. And you see it at the end where he says he doesn't let anybody tell them who he is because he knows as soon as the secret gets out, um, well, they'll kill him. And he's try and he, that is his, I mean, he knows where he's going. You know, he's going to the cross, but he's trying to, um, uh, give himself a little bit more time to do his ministry, to preach the mm -hmm. word, to, to, to heal, to free, to, um, be with people. So, um, uh, the humility of Christ, the one who asks, he doesn't say, I am whatever, believe in me, bow down, bow down. He says, you know, who do you say? And then, and he acknowledges, uh, this beautiful thing that Peter's been given spiritual insight. Um, so, Another way of having your mind transformed by the renewing of your minds. Um, so, Love it. Um, and Peter will get it wrong again, but by the grace yeah. of God, he'll I get think, chances I think to come back again. On one level, I mean, if you just want a little suggestion from Jake, um, preaching tip, I think I would, uh, I would probably this week either preach on Isaiah or Romans. 
and uh, and then save because the next week is the second half of the the encounter in Caesarea Philippi, and I would save it and preach that as a whole, um, right? Because you have, uh, and we'll talk about that next week, I guess. But or I, you know what I mean? Or I would try and figure out some sort of two part series. But um, um, I would uh, I would probably save it and hit it all as one big text. Yeah. Well, stay tuned next week for the exciting conclusion of Matthew 16 yes. uh, and this little story. Until then, happy preaching and uh, stay cool, everybody. Somebody's looking, somebody cares, somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.